All right, Pittsburgh, this is the Death Star here, and you are listening to MMA Fancast. Tune in. Oh, baby, what time is it? You're listening to MMA Fancast. Here are your hosts, Jim Mooney and Luke Payson. Welcome to the show. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by Al Matalau. Al, welcome to the show. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. So great to have you on the show. We are talking to you right now, and you're in Alaska. So it's the first time I've ever spoken to somebody in Alaska, how's it do- how's it going up there? Um, it's getting it's starting to get chilly. It's starting to get chilly. Summer is uh, fading away. Is it? <laughs> and what's the what's the temperature outside right now? I think it's uh around fifty five or okay. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, I'm in Pennsylvania. We're still in the seventies at night and the eighties during the day. So. Mm. Things are pretty good here. Um, this is just an Alaska question. You're the first person I've ever interviewed from Alaska, so or living in Alaska. You're not from Alaska, but living in Alaska. Um, what's it like when it's all dark and all light? And do you get that where you live there? Yes. So during the winter time, we have probably at least three to four hours of daylight, and then summertime, it's just all daylight. Pretty much, um, it's not really dark. It's just no dark. You can still walk out at midnight, and you can still see the 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 blue the the blue skies. Excuse me. Okay, and for you as a fighter and a professional athlete, which one is better for you? Do you like it being dark more or light more, as far as training and energy and those type of things? I'd rather um, do the lighting because especially summertime we have the sun and it's kind of nice to have that heat going you know around the gym or training so you can get some sweat in but in in the winter time it's really hard to break a sweat you know you got to warm up for at least an hour hour and a half just to break a sweat just to get warmed up now speaking of that and related to training is that something that you think is good i mean you're you're warming up for an hour hour and a half to break a sweat do you think that kind of adds to your training regimen in the winter time Yes, it does. It helps a lot, though, with with uh, getting my body warmed up. Because uh, especially, uh, I hate I hate training in in, in the wintertime because it's always cold, man, and it's 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 hard to at least try to warm up your feet. Because when you step on a mat, the mat is always cold. Okay, I've never heard anybody talk about warming up their feet before. So I guess that's <laughs> an Alaska that's an Alaska training <laughs> must, you know. So, yeah. We're going to get back to you being in Alaska, but I know you were born and raised in America, Samoa, um, and you're Samoan. So talk about that. What was it like being raised there? And kind of, I'm assuming it's a lot warmer in America, Samoa, than it is in Alaska. So what was what was the upbringing like in there for you? Man, um, the weather was, the weather first, the weather is it's nice. It's kind of like Pennsylvania. It, okay. We're up in like in the 80s and the 90s every day, all day, but it's humid. So it's, it kind of gives gives you a little a little kick to it, but growing up in Samoa was it was a it's really it's really good because I've I've grown to be more respectful to the way my my parents have taught me. Mm-hmm. It's all about family and respect, and that that's pretty much what I've grown up to be. Well, that's incredible. Just as a person, I, I bring this up a lot on this show because we interview a lot of fighters on their way to the UFC and after the UFC. And obviously I think respect 
is a character to just have as a person. Who cares if you're a fighter or any other profession, respect and love for your family is obviously values that will last you a lifetime and not just a fighting career. So that's hats off to your parents. Um, obviously, at some point you moved to Alaska. I know your first pro fight was in Alaska and that was in 2015. So what took you to Alaska and kind of what's that journey been like uh, going to Alaska and being in Alaska now the last five years? It's It's been a crazy journey, man. Um, I moved up here because, you know, the economy back in American what wasn't spiking up or, or, you know, doing any good. So uh, my brother was already in Alaska. So he moved me up here just to help mm -hmm. my parents out financially. So it's the, it was my main focus when I moved up here, you know, get a job, help my family back in Samoa. And it was, it was me and my brother just doing um, both of, of those things, just to help out my family in Samoa. So then move up my, my brother, my older brother moved up and he, he went to the state. Um, he moved to the capital of Alaska. So he moved to Juneau. But the journey has been crazy, man. Like I, I move up here and I had to get used to the American culture. Mm. And that was the, the one main thing that I was having a little bit of a problem with is try to settle in with the, with the American culture. It's, it was kind of hard to the transition from the, the island to up here. Sure, from the island stuff there. I guess one, one big thing is you, you were moving in with your brother. So that's nice that you're able to connect with family and, and have that bond, which is obviously much better than moving up. And it sounds like he uh, really helped you out by having you come, but he was already in Alaska without the family support. So hats off to him, obviously. Um, so you mentioned work-wise. Um, what work did you first get in Alaska? And are you still bivocational doing fighting? and a job on the side, or how do you do that? Oh, my first job up here in Alaska, I work at Chuck E. Cheese. Okay. And, <laughs> and um, when I moved up here, I, I didn't really know MMA that much, you know. I, uh, I've been just, my main focus was, was my family, and then I, um, I saw an event on TV that they're doing boxing, and I was interested, and I was trying to do boxing. My, my brother's like, hey, man, don't do that. You're not used to up here in Alaska yet. So I don't want you to do anything stupid. Don't go out. It's dangerous up here in Alaska. So, so and then I kept switching jobs. Then I worked for the uh, Coca-Cola Bottling of Alaska. Mm -hmm. And that's where I kind of start um, doing food job, um, full time, 40-hour um, week, and train every day. So, and then I switched jobs. So I'm still... Uh, working full uh, full time job and full time training. Sure, absolutely. And and you had mentioned that in America Small, you didn't really have exposure to MMA or anything. So you started learning about boxing. So when did you transition to MMA, or did you just get to a gym that did all MMA, or how did you find MMA from being interested in boxing? So my fiance, actually the one who got me into MMA. Because at the boxing event I was fighting, she was sitting at a, at a side ring. This is before we met. And then the next morning I went to work and I didn't know she was working for the same company. So, and then we met, she like introduced me to, uh, she's like, hey, um, I do Muay Thai and I want you to come try it. I was like, sure, why not? So 
I've never kicked before in my life. I've never done kickboxing or throw any kind of kicks. So she picked me up. We went to her Muay Thai class and she introduced me to the instruction instructor. And the instructor was like, hey, man, you got really powerful kicks. You should keep coming. I was like, sure. But then that's how I became to in uh, love MMA because my coach was like, the instructor was like, hey, man, you should come to MMA. I think you should try it out. It'll be fun. So then a couple of weeks, I told him that I got to try this first because I'm not used to Muay Thai yet. Mm-hmm. I got to try this first. So in the next couple of weeks, I joined the MMA team, and that's where it all started. And that process, going from a background that didn't have a martial arts background, it sounds like, and you kind of built it all since you moved to Alaska, which hats off to you, to putting all that work in. But once you were transitioning into MMA, what clicked with you the best and what has been the most, I guess, challenging to learn? Um, the most challenging thing that happened and, and how my career took a turn, it's when, I, when Dana White was in the tour, on the tour, I think 2015 or 2016, and he came to Alaska and my cousin was like, hey, Dana White is going to be in town. Are you going to be fighting on this card? I was like, no. But let me ask my coach to put me on this card. So then I asked my coach, hey, put me on this Dana White card. He's going to be in town. So I fought on that card and I lost. And that was a turning point in my career, knowing that the big boss was there and I wasn't impressing him the way I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I wanted to impress him. So that was a big lesson learned for me and I took MMA serious after that because I was only just doing it for the money you know just just to show people you know oh, oh I can punch somebody in the face I don't know I can fight but then after that fight I lost I was like man I gotta take this serious so from that point on things went good from there well and pointing this out you know this but so our audience knows you have an eight and two pro record. So to say you lost, that's only one of the two losses you've ever had. And you've been on a tear since that, that fight, which has been incredible. Um, you've gotten a lot of uh, knockout wins. In fact, your most recent uh, fight was right before COVID. Talk to me a little bit about that. According to what I could find on you, you fought in Alaska pretty much you know, over and over and over again. And then you built up a pretty good record. And then your last two fights have been in Hawaii. So you're actually ranked uh, first. Uh, Tapology has you number one in middleweight and light heavyweight in Hawaii, as well as Alaska. Um, so how'd you get to Hawaii? Kind of what led for you taking two fights in Hawaii? So before the fight in Hawaii, um, I was looking for a manager at this point. I didn't have a manager. But then my coach was trying to Uh, get fights all over the world like LFA anywhere like in Florida like in Seattle in California so he was just like sending um, all these um, promotions uh, my name so and then Hawaii got my name first and then they offered me a fight and then they offered me the title fight and I was like why not let's do it so then we took the fight to Hawaii but after that fight I um I talked to a manager and he said, hey, let's, uh, let's get one more fight before we talk. So then the second fight came up and then it came pretty short. I, it, was, it was fun, it was, a, it was a knockout, but you know, it was also yeah. on my birthday, so it was a gift for me and 
but I wanted to show people what I can do. Well, that was a 16 second knockout. So happy birthday to yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. And also your, your birthday was therefore in February, just before the start of COVID. So here you are in Hawaii. Did you get some time down in Hawaii afterwards for your birthday and to enjoy the, because uh, there's a lot of Samoa culture in Hawaii yes. too. Did you get to check that out and kind of enjoy that part of Hawaii before you went back to Alaska? Not really. I didn't get to enjoy a lot because of work. I was only able to get some a little bit of time off. So like after the fight, I had to like fly back right away. Sure. And then I took just at least one day off from work just to recover, even though it was only 16 seconds, but just to enjoy a little bit. But yeah, usually I'm always constantly at work or like when I get a fight, I'm only taking a little bit amount of time off from work. So I couldn't, I wasn't able to spend a little bit of time in a while like I wanted to. Well, well, sure. I mean, that, that does make sense, given your focus on work. And I actually had, trying to remember who I had, I had a, a podcast guest on a little bit ago who was bivocational, doing very well in his fighting career, but he felt like everything he does in his job to be dedicated and a good worker is making him a better fighter because he can't just, in his words, he can't just lay around and wait for, for practice. You know, pro fighters right. kind of take breaks, which is good. It's a good thing that pro fighters, but the, the full-time fighters kind of, that's all they're doing. And he thinks it's a mental edge to constantly be having to work and then do fighting. Do you like that mental edge as far as what you've been doing? You're a 10, you've been 10 fights into your pro career working full-time. So how is that for you mentally? I separate my, my work from, from, from training and, and I, I think that kind of helped me a lot mentally because right when I clock off, I leave everything off, everything off my head from work. So I just go right into training and I kind of enjoy doing that because I have two different, like sometimes I'll like, I'll be at work and I'll be like thinking about, about fighting. And then I was like, I got to stop doing this because this is not part of what I'm doing. So I got to keep my focus work to work and fight to fight. So that's kind of the way I do it. That also makes a lot of sense mentally. I think some fighters, probably the most famous fighter to ever talk about the mental strain was GSP. He actually talked about going to counseling and because when, of course, he was talking about being the champ and, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. He brought up the fact that every single second he was awake, he was thinking about fighting and not losing and having to win. And so, like, there is something healthy about putting your mind, obviously, you're engaged, putting your mind on your fiancé, putting your mind on your family putting your mind on your work, uh, that makes fighting more exciting than um, pressure, you know, which is good. Yes, yes. Um, I just mentioned the word pressure. So I want to jump back to your very first pro fight. You fought a guy who had 10 wins and 14 losses. So he had 24 pro fights, and that's your debut fight. So incredible that you took on a guy with yeah. 24 pro fights. How much amateur experience had you had before your pro and what made you take a guy? Yes, he had a bunch of losses, but still 10 pro wins, 24 pro fights total. That's an insane uh, number of experienced uh, fights. So what made you take that fight and how much preparation had you done as far as amateur? Because I couldn't find any amateur record for you, but maybe you had them and they just weren't reported. I don't know. Yeah, so I had two amateur, amateur fights. And 
so before I, I start fighting uh, pro, I, I wanted to test myself. I didn't tell my coach or my teammates about this. I just went and did my own amateur fight on my own, and I won both of them, and it was fun. So, like, after my second uh, amateur fight, and I came to the gym the next day, and I told my coach, hey, I want to fight. I, I, want, I want to get into pro. I was like, oh, really? Well, let's get you an, uh, an amateur fight first. And I was like, I already got that covered. I did some, uh, I did some, uh, like the last two weeks, it was like every week this event, this uh, promotion does uh, amateur fights. So I just hop onto it um, two weeks in a row and I told him about it. And then he was like, oh, really? So then we sat down and he watched all of, all, all of the videos. I'm like, okay, all right. So let me, let me give your name to the promoter. So he sent my name out to the promoter and that was the name that was given to us. And I was like, uh, yeah, I've seen that guy fight so many times and yeah. I'll take them. So back then, the mentality that I have, I didn't really care um, who I would fight at any point because I just wanted to make a name for myself. Like, yeah, I'm a fighter. I'm going to go do this. But then becoming more mature in, in, uh, in fighting makes me change my, my, my mindset about fighting. So, but I didn't have a lot of preparation leading up to my pro fight. But with the help of my coach, because on my first pro fight, on that fight, I caught at least 55 pounds to get down to 205. Mm -hmm. I was walking around 265 at the point when my, um, my, uh, my coach was like, hey, they say yes. How much you weigh? I was like, 265. I was like, well, this is a 205 fight. You got to go down now. I was like, shit. So it took me a month to, to cut 60, uh, 55 pounds, but it was not bad. Wow. Well, two things I want to talk about. One is, um, what was it like to have that mental transition between just fighting, like you said, to make money, to be a pro fighter? You weren't really thinking of your career until after Dana White came. So what was that transition? What was that mental transition like? It was hard, man, because being not really care about uh, the life that you're risking in there really sucked. But now I had to, I had to think outside of the box, you know, not just for myself, them risking is that the life of my family, you know, if I'm injured, I'll be out of work and I won't be get paid. So like I'm putting a lot of people at risk at this point. So I had to, I had to change that mentality real quick because it wasn't helping me at all. Um, going in there and just, just try to brawl, you know, just try to win fights and stuff like that. So I had to be smart about it. So it it was really hard to try to try to change that mentality. Sure. I mean, that makes sense. And that's one of the things that's, that's as much of a weapon as your physical weapons. You know, right. Muay Thai is called the uh, art of eight limbs, right? Eight weapons, mm -hmm. the knees, the elbows, the feet and the, and the hands. So in a way, you got to add mentality in there, you know, right. uh, being mentally healthy. And obviously that's a journey that we're all on, whether we fight or not, we're all on the, the mental fight and the mental balance, which is good. Jumping back to your first fight, you cut all that weight. You have fought at both light heavyweight and middleweight. And you, you know, you're ranked both topology as you ranked both and your fight just a couple days away now is at 205. Um, and so talk about weight. What weight do you prefer? Do, do you really care? Or do you kind of see your career going in one weight or the other? 
or are you still waiting to see what, what happens in the UFC? Um, I think after this fight, it will, I would say it will be my last fight at 205. Mm-hmm. Um, um, me and my coaches have talked about this so many times, but it's, it's always been the only offer that's given to me is 205s. Mm-hmm. So I can never turn down this kind of opportunity, especially this one. Because when uh, this opportunity came up, I asked for 85. I was like, well, is there an 85er? And then, you know, nothing was given to me. So I was like, well, I'll just take the 205 then. But for the future reference, I wanted at least uh, go down to 85, do uh, one more fight at 85, and then probably drop down to 70. Now, I saw that your height was listed as 5'8". Is that the main reason why you're targeting 170 in the future? Because of what happens in the UFC, you kind of kind of can see what height works at what weight? Yes, that would be a, a disadvantage for me. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 my, it's my height. Because especially, I was just watching um, um, the fight before the Coleman event, the, the welterweight bout. Yeah. And those guys are huge. And from just comparing it to me, if I, if I ever, you know, be in that position, you know, it would be bad for me because I'm, I have the, the height disadvantage. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also incredible that here you are a professional athlete. You've obviously got your nutrition under control because you used to be in the two sixties range. And now yeah. here you are fighting at 205, planning on 185 and eventually planning on 70. So you're going to be, I don't know if this name means anything to you, Joe Riggs. Joe Riggs has fought at heavyweight and then ended up yes. in the UFC at 170. So yeah. he was kind of on that journey um, mm-hmm. as well. So that, that's incredible. Um, you are the main event, or I guess they sometimes call it the featured bout for Dana White Contender mm-hmm. Series. Um, how did that come about? Do you care? Do you not care? What's it like uh, to kind of be in that position? You know, I didn't really care. I, I prefer, you know, being – you know, fight in you know, the beginning of the card sure. just to get out of the way because mm-hmm. me is sometimes the the waiting game is is kind of hard for 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 my mental uh my mental game sometimes i i just don't like waiting just waiting so like i just like to get it out of the way as fast as i can so but in this position when they bumped me up to 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 main event to feature bout you know i was kind of happy i was like okay since now we're in a the the feature bout now they have a lot of focus on the two guys at the at the end of the card so it's uh, I'm like can't <laughs> sure and speaking of that I recently had the the Kosi brothers on I don't know if you've been following the they yes. like, I had them both on hats off to them they just did an incredible job both got first they ever, did an amazing job incredible job um, but Lewis was Lewis was the main event and I saw that in the lead up they did a lot of filming with him and not filming with Orion because they put more mm-hmm. focus on the featured bout. So have they been filming you or do you think that's gonna happen promo wise once you get to Vegas? Um, matter of fact, I am in Vegas now as we okay. speak. Um I, I just got in today. But we uh um I've already <laughs> I've already done my my promo productions. Um, earlier, a uh, couple months back, so so I, I haven't seen any any promo came out yet, so I don't know. So I want to watch it. So, so promo wise, they they sent a film crew up to Alaska for promo. No, they sent me out here. I I, I they flew brought up here. you out and then back. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And 
I can no longer be excited because I'm not interviewing you in Alaska. So there goes my excitement. <laughs> no, it's, it's so great talking to you. We'll have to do an interview um, after the fight once you're back in Alaska so I can say I interviewed from Alaska. We'll have to do that uh, okay, once, you've been, once you're back. But talk about, talk about your birthday. There you are. You get a, a quick knockout, 16-second knockout, um, and then COVID hits. So February becomes March. COVID hits, were you planning on fighting earlier? You know, obviously it's been eight months. What was it mm -hmm. like? And then flying to Vegas during COVID to do your promos. How's all that been going? Yeah, so after that fight, I know I wasn't injured, but I wanted to get back in right away. Like um, another promotion in Hawaii had their car like in three weeks and one of my teammates was on it. And I couldn't get the time off from work, but I wanted to hop on that car too, just to get another one in. But then after, right after that card on March, COVID hit, but I've already got the call for the contender series for July before it was pushed back. So then, then COVID hit. And then from there, I, I was just trying to maintain training as much as I can, but, but mentally it was, it was kind of hard to, to train alone, you know, uh, my fiance helped me a lot during doing our home workout. So she was part of the success of the COVID part. But other than that, like mentally, I I hate training alone. I like to be in contact with my teammates. You know, I I like to do sparring. I like to roll. I like to wrestle, and I like to do all this kind of stuff with my teammate. But it was kind of hard with the COVID hit. And it was it was a mentally drained for me to to try to maintain training physically. Sure, I mean that makes sense. That that's a common theme among the COVID uh, months. You know, um, <laughs> when did you know that it was going to be September eighth, um, and how long have you been back training with your teammates? So, I believe it was. June, the beginning of June, it's mm -hmm. when it was pushed back. But before May, I was I was already in camp at May. Mm -hmm. I started my camp in May, and then when June, when my manager told me that it was pushed back to the eighth, it was kind of sad at the same time because I just wanted to get out of the way. But it was kind of also good. It was kind of giving me more time to prepare and train more for this fight. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the balance, obviously. You're the type of guy yeah. to fight, get out of the way, get moving. But at the same time, with all that was going on with COVID, it's, it's incredible. The Dana White Contender Series, I think each year it's been great, but this year it's probably been the best. The talent level is incredible. And Dana just announced, I think it was news, um, because the week we just had, he talked about bringing fighters back in November. They're going to do yes. another season in November. Obviously, you've been following the Dana White Contender Series. What have you been learning as a fighter that you can use specifically going into this Dana White Contender Series? Because it's a different environment. It's unique. What have you been learning? Because you're week six, so there's been five weeks this season. What have you learned from watching the first five weeks? I just learned that I got to put on a good show for Dana White. That's uh, that's the main focus right now is to put on a good show because the last time I was in front of Dana White, that was that was not a good show. So this time I'm going to prove that I'm here to put on a good show for him because that's what he wants. 
Well, that, that's going to be an incredible experience for you to be able to redeem your, your first time before Dana and now your second time. We've also seen on the Dana White Contender Series that he hasn't been giving um, he hasn't been giving contracts to anybody that's been doing decisions. It's been finish only. But there's times that when somebody has a really good decision, he is willing to bring them mm-hmm. back, you know, later. And so you, you do have a lot of opportunities, which is good. I, I think he's doing a great job. He's actually bringing back Nate Smith, who actually lost. Yes. Uh, to a fighter we'd interviewed, we'd interviewed um, the the Brick Flick, who had a great mm-hmm. set the record for number of submission attempts, and he yep. should be getting back on the show here soon once things calm down in his life. But it's it's great to see sometimes that Dana's willing to bring people back around. So obviously, you want to get um, some type of good um, good performance. Here, yes. you, you mentioned talking about wrestling and rolling. You're more or less a knockout type guy. Do you, do you feel like you like the wrestling and grappling and you'd want to get at some point a little bit more into the submission stuff or is it just depends on what happens? Yeah, it really depends on what happened. Um, I have a really good wrestling game and, um, and my ground game, but if, if it goes to the ground, it, it, I would love to go to the ground, man. But if, it, if it's standing, then it would be bad for somebody to stand in front of me because I have really good stand-up. So that's, I prefer stand-up, but... Sure. Wrestling. I, I love wrestling. Now you just said it would be bad for somebody to stand in front of you, which is a great quote and very true, given your experience. You have an opponent. What do you know about him? What do you, what, what are you, you don't have to tell me all your game plan, of course, but what, what do you know about him? Do you do game planning? Does your coaches do the scouting? Um, he's 3-0. and He's undefeated. Clearly at 3-0, and he's made some impressive uh, waves because most people three and zero aren't fighting in front of Dana on the contender series. So, what do you kind of know about him, and and what has it been like training for a guy that's obviously getting his shot as well? You know, the only thing I know about this guy, man, he's such a really nice guy. Like I've watched like um your guys' interview, you know, he's such a really nice guy, well-spoken guy. I got a lot of respect for him as a fighter and as a human being. No, you know, there's no other reason for you to be a you know what I mean? So um, my coaches, yes, have they, they, they do a lot of, of research on, on all my opponent and and we sit down, you know, we, we go on a game plan and stuff like that. So and we work on those game plan week after week after week, you know, in the gym. So sure. Yeah. Well, and that's that's a great mindset to have. Obviously, I think We should be past uh, 25 plus years. I think more and more people are bringing up the fact that fighting is about respect. It's about business. It's about an opportunity. You're a competitor. You're an athlete. Um, We still have obviously some people that make it unnecessarily vulgar or Mm -hmm. personal. Um, What's it like heading into the UFC kind of knowing that you get your win, you get your shot, you're in the UFC. Uh, what's it like knowing that there might be times where other opponents make everything personal? Have you thought about how you'd respond? I mean, this is down the road, but some people, that's their life. I'm thinking right. probably shouldn't, but I'm thinking of certain people that that's all they do. You know, Platinum Mike Perry is right. famous for that. Other guys. Um, so what's it, what's it like knowing you're going to be around some guys that that's their shtick? Whether it's true or not, that's their mindset that they mm-hmm. project to the media. So how would you respond to something like that? My emotion will show in a fight. So as you don't, you can talk shit to me all you want. Just don't bring my family in here because my family didn't do anything to you. So if you're going to bring my family in 
in into this business, then it would be a problem. So in a fight, I will destroy you because you're talking shit about my family. It's another great quote. I'm just giving tons of great quotes today. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it is good. I, I think more and more the, the generation that's coming up is, hey, this is a professional sport. And it's actually in many ways because of Dana, because of COVID, um, some other sports are coming back now. But for many months, five, six months, it was the only sport. And I think that's really helped with their mm -hmm. time on, obviously, the UFC Island, um, as well as them using the Apex the, the Apex Center has kind of shown that, like, MMA is exciting. ESPN's been covering it, obviously, not only on ESPN+, Plus but also on ESPN. What's it been like? You're in Vegas. Have you had a chance to tour or train either in the Apex or in the Performance Institute? No, I have not. And I don't think oh, they'll give me an opportunity to, to, uh, to do so because they're only doing it for – it's only UFC fighters. Okay. Um, yeah. But soon I hope uh, I'll get a chance to, to get in there and, and get some work in the PI. Well, that does make sense. I know that the, uh, the PI is still fairly new and they've been building mm -hmm. one. They're building one in China, uh, which mm -hmm. might have been slowed down now with Corona. Um, but obviously that's a cool thing to know that like there is a difference right now. Dana White Contender Series, you're fighting for the UFC, obviously, mm -hmm. but you're not a UFC contracted fighter yet so and yeah. i think that is what makes the contender series more exciting is the fact that it, it actually matters you know yes uh, i think the drawback to the the reality tv show the ultimate fighter is even if you crush everybody they don't count on your record they're called exhibition fights it's kind of a mess um but i always ask dana white contender series people this question if you had a chance on uh, a choice between going on the show for eight weeks the the ufc uh, ultimate fighter show or doing the contender series which one would you pick if you had a fair option of both uh contender series for sure and why would that be what do you see as the advantage of doing contender series you know because i i would get to perform and and i would like to add those wins onto sure. my record you know because yeah. if you go into tough and just keep fighting and you know one person at the end like um hypothetically speaking i lost at the last person and all those wins leading up to it, it doesn't count. But even though Dana White keeps an eye on those things, but I, I would rather have those count in my record. Those wins Absolutely. In my record. I mean, I think that that makes business sense. Speaking of business sense, the ultimate fighter, because it's a reality TV show, they don't get paid in the way that fighters get paid. They get paid, I guess, more from being on the show or something like that. Yeah. Um, and also something that comes up over and over again is you're training with your own team, your own, you know, your own teammates, your own coaches. Yes. And if you get into the UFC from the Ultimate Fighter, you then go back to coaches who haven't coached you in four or five fights or three mm -hmm. fights or whatever. It can be yeah. very strange. So I really think the, the, Ultimate, uh, the Ultimate Fighter show, while still out there, I think the, the Dana White Contender Series is really starting to show that it, it's more exciting. It's better for the fighters too. Mm -hmm. You mentioned your fiancé obviously being super important to getting you into Muay Thai to begin with and then helping you train um, who are your main thank yous? Obviously, give another shout out to her. But as we look at the fact that as a fighter, you go into a cage by yourself, but you're also carrying your team and who's helped you and molded you. So talk about that. You know, it's, it's mostly my team, uh, my family, my teammate, you know, like we talk, like, like you said, you know, my fiance is the, is the most important one that I would thank for 
for everything that she's done for me. And my teammate alone has put a lot of time on me. They giving more time after work for me just to prepare for this fight. You know, Micah Graff has been my number one supporter. Nico Novelli, Shannon McKenzie, Jesse Hall. And those are the guys that have been supporting me all along. And, you know, especially my sponsors, man, uh, Peter and Trina and Anchorage Home Care. Those are the, the few people that have, that have constantly supported me and helping me just to prepare for this fight coming up. Well, it's always great to recognize um, both physical support, like people that train with you, and, and something that people don't always know is there's a lot of amateur fighters or even fighters that might not have taken fights that make pros better. This sometimes comes up. Um, you'll, you'll know that I've done way too much stalking of GSP because he's my favorite all-time <laughs> fighter, but he actually mentioned a guy who's trained with him for years. He said the guy's name. It's a Frenchman name, but he's never fought. But, but mm -hmm. GSP will give him credit as being one of his main sparring partners, and the guy has no fights. So mm. sometimes what people don't realize is that your gym, the people that are sacrificing time, you know, after work to make you better, that's, that's what they care about. They care about you. Yep. And another thing is sponsors. You know, a lot of people don't understand that at an amateur or pro level, particularly outside of the UFC, sponsors make a huge difference. And so it does. Talk, talk a little bit about what it was like getting sponsors, not maybe specifics, but like, what was it like going from a pro that didn't have sponsors to a pro that had sponsors? And what's, what's the difference that that's made for your career? So my, uh, my gym, my academy, um, it kind of switched up to in location in Anchorage. So I used to live on the south side. So I would drive 45 minutes to the gym and, you know, I'll be training all the way till 9.30, 10 a.m., no, no, 10, 10 p.m. And then I'll have to drive back home. So for another 45 minutes. So by the time I get home, I'll be pretty tired. So those long drives every day, it costs, uh, it costs me a lot of gas money, you know, and especially going home and, and prepare my meals from uh, Sunday night for the week for my lunch meals. So my sponsors, they have helped me a lot with those, you know, they've supported me financially and even, you know, they'll come to the gym and they'll do Muay Thai with me. You know, some of them, they'll meet up with me just to check up on me. You know, those are the little things that I really appreciate about my sponsors. Well, you gave two really specific examples that a lot of people don't realize that there's just logistical things that sponsors help with, stuff like meals, stuff like gas, training opportunities. So shout out to all the sponsors, particularly the sponsors that never make it to the point of sponsoring somebody in the UFC. You know, mm -hmm. I'm based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania now. They have a bunch of great sponsors that just focus on local MMA, sponsoring local MMA. Obviously, Anchorage, they're spo sponsoring local Anchorage MMA. Um, and Dana will occasionally admit that they need these other organizations that are never on the level of the UFC to make fighters that can then go to the UFC. And we've yes. seen that over mm -hmm. and over and over again. Um, and so it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Let's get to predictions. Um, do you want to make a prediction? Do you, what do you want to say about the fight as we look to close up here? You're only a few days away. Um, and talk about the weight cut, I guess, a little bit, because that's always a part of it. But here you are a couple days out. So what's predictions? How's the weight cut? And, uh, yeah, parting point to ponder, I guess. Uh, let's talk about the weight cut first. Okay. Uh, I just ate a bowl of rice and chicken. 
<laughs> I, uh, when I walked in here and then they wanted to weigh me and I, I guess I'm good, you know? So I didn't really have to, like, like my weight is good to the point where I can cut to 85 for Tuesday. Right. So I'm good on weight. Um, but my prediction, man, I'm just going to go in there and have fun, man. That's pretty much what I like to do. I like to have fun. Uh, I like to move a lot. You know, it's pretty much uh, my style. I consider myself, you know, that light heavyweight Frankie Yeager or like the someone Frankie Yeager because, you know, I move a lot. I I do a lot of movement in all my fights. Um, I haven't showcased any of those in some of my fights because apparently the last fight lasts 16 seconds. But yeah. the fight before that, not really so much because it was ended in the first round. But the fight before that, I was showcasing a little bit of my, my footwork and my head movement, you know. But... Yeah, I just want to go in there and have fun, man. Tafan is a is a really nice guy, and he's a good guy. So it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good fight. Well, absolutely. What a what a great interview. Thanks so much for coming on. I, I wish you the best in your upcoming fight, and obviously, great to learn more about you. We'd love to have you back on um, after you win and to talk about your fight and all those things. So thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely, brother. I really appreciate your time, and thank you for having me on the show.